Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts, minds, and souls to your word this evening. The scripture that was just read for us, let it permeate each part of our very spirit in order that we can be ready to respond to it in the way that you may have us. Open our selves up to the spoken word that is about to come forth and let it be glorified to your son Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. So this weekend is the Super Bowl. And what is our favorite part of the Super Bowl? For most of us, if our team is never in it, like the Dallas Cowboys are never in the Super Bowl, and yet the Greenwoods still watch. Commercials. Commercials, right, right. So I found this interesting case. There's actually a Supreme Court case happening right now, not here in the United States, but in Canada, of all places. I didn't even realize they had a Supreme Court in Canada. I thought, like, if something got to that level, they just asked for an audience with the Queen of England, <laughs> she would solve the problem. But they actually have a Supreme Court just like us. And there's this case that's been going on for a couple of years, and they have appealed to the Supreme Court, uh, and it is uh, Bell um, of Canada, they handle you know, some of the tra television transmissions uh, in Canada, and the NFL teamed up versus um, something like the CRTBC, which is their the Canadian Radio and Television Commission. The commission a few years ago uh, made it so that Bell could not overwrite the American commercials. And so prior to a couple, two, two Super Bowls ago, what was happening was they would take the feed of the Super Bowl, and when it came time for a commercial, they'd black out all the American commercials, and they'd play Canadian-only commercials. And then when the game came back on, they'd reinsert the feed. And so what was happening was Melissa's people were getting upset. She's Canadian. So her sisters and cousins and everybody else, they were getting upset because they wanted to see the funny commercials too. And Canadians aren't funny. And so they wanted to see the American commercials. And so it's a big fight in the Supreme Court. It's gone to the highest court in Canada. And they're hoping to get some kind of resolution before this Sunday. The real thing. Google it and you can read it for yourself. But the high court is hearing this case about the Super Bowl Canada. Well, we have arrived at the part of the story where Paul himself has appealed to the highest court in the land. He wants to take his case to the emperor. And that is where he is in the midst of all this. He has run into trouble. Every town he has gone to, uh, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and beyond, everywhere he goes, most places, not everywhere, most places he's either gotten in trouble by the people that are there receiving the good news from Paul, or trouble has followed him, um, even if he was received well from that particular town. And so he is locked up currently, and he wants to appeal to the highest court. And so what's interesting here for our story, um, in this case, Paul has not been convicted 
by Felix. Paul has not been convicted by Festus. Paul has not been judged by Agrippa. Paul has not been sentenced by Agrippa. Paul has not been judged or sentenced by any of the Jewish leadership. But he keeps getting brought in uh, to give, give his testimony. And, but nobody finds any law that he's broken. Yet right now, he is held captive once again. Um, and he happens to be, he's been all over the kingdom, all over the empire. And now he's back sort of like in Judea and close to Jerusalem. He's back home, but he's still uh, fighting the powers at B. What's important about this is that much like, I don't know if you remember the Jesus story when uh, Herod doesn't really find anything wrong. And then so he sends him to Pilate. Pilate asks him, he's like, I can't, he hasn't broken any of our laws. Why have you all sent him to us? This is the same thing for Paul. He keeps hearing the same response. And so that's where you hear some of this dialogue. Um, the interesting thing is, so when, it, when our scriptures say he is appealing to Caesar, um, he's not appealing a judgment because nothing has been brought down for him. He himself is asking uh, to go. In fact, at one point, Agrippa, now let's, let's just pause for just one second. So this name Festus that our scripture started with, Festus is like the governor of Judea. All right, Festus is the governor. Uh, Agrippa is King Agrippa, and King Agrippa was kind of a regional type king. Um, that was given permission to stay. He's Herod, though. He's Herod that we hear about in the Jesus time, Herod's son. So it's King uh, Herod Agrippa II. Um, and he's, so he doesn't have a lot of authority, but he's a little bit more than Festus. The real power here is the highest court of the land, which is Caesar, which is a name for the emperor, uh, a title for the emperor, who happens to be Nero, N-E-R-O, who is a very nasty emperor. Terrible in the history of the Roman Empire. Killing everybody, basically, that doesn't bow down to him. And so the point of, all, of saying all that is uh, Festus does not, the governor does not want to hold Paul. The king, Herod Agrippa II, does not want to hold Paul. Uh, basically, Paul has said his peace. They're ready to let him go as a free man and, and say, hey, you can go do your thing. But no, Paul has appealed to Caesar. He's appealed where there's nothing to appeal. And he could just be a free man. But he says no. And so finally, in verse 32 of this chapter, uh, the last verse of chapter 26, King Agrippa says to Festus, this man could have been released if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. And he says, if he wants to go, to Caesar, then Caesar, he will go. And so then, in the following chapter, it starts to talk about his journey to go to Rome. Um, it's interesting. Um, so he's on his way to go see the emperor. It's very interesting. Uh, in the United States, we talk about Canadian uh, Supreme Court, home of the Super Bowl. That's the great government. Uh, but anyway, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court uh, cases have to work their way uh, through the system. So you don't like your judgment, and so you appeal to the next level, and then you can finally um, appeal to the Supreme Court 
and they may or may not hear uh, your appeal. Except there is a provision in the Constitution uh, for two exceptions to where the Supreme Court can have um, original jurisdiction. And that is um, where the Supreme Court will hear a case even though there's nothing to overturn or to uphold. And so they can hear a case for the first time. It's called original jurisdiction. And so that's what Paul's asking for here is original jurisdiction. So he, he's not asking anything to be appealed or uh, overturned or to upheld. He's asking for the Caesar's court to hear an original jurisdiction, just like we have uh, here in the United States for those two exceptions. What's further interesting for our purposes is in the United States, the two examples or exceptions are for an ambassador, if someone that's representing another country and, and has a case against or for or against the United States or vice versa, his or her case can go directly to the Supreme Court or a case between two states, like if Kentucky and West Virginia are fighting the Hatfields and McCoys, they can have their case heard directly at the Supreme Court. Um, and so, again, what's interesting is this is what Paul is asking for. And, uh, and it, I think it's neat because really what Paul is is an ambassador. He's an ambassador for the kingdom of God. In fact, later on, when he writes a letter to the Philippians, um, he is going to, uh, and that's one of the places he's visited on the way uh, in the previous chapters, um, he's going to identify, he's going to say in his letter to the Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven. And so Paul's already making a shift and say, I'm not uh, under your authority. Sort of like when Jesus is before Pilate, Jesus says, my kingdom is from above, not from here on earth. And so Paul is, is, is under the same impression that his citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, he's thinking of himself as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. And so in his mind, this gives him a right to go to uh, the highest court. And, and it's the reason, it's one of the reasons that he wants to go there. Um, the other part of the reason why you're trying to wrestle with, why does he want to go to this awful emperor when he could just be a free man? Part of his conversion, when he's walking on the way to Damascus, that he has in this moment with Jesus, the risen Christ, is that he gets a commission from God to start in Jerusalem, to go to Judea, and on to the Gentiles, even to Rome. Jesus talks with him. And so Paul is, excuse the phrase, hell-bent on going to Rome because that was his initial, um, during his transformation, that was his initial call from Jesus, that he knew from day one of, of his um, conversion uh, that he was going to be going to Rome, and in Rome he is going to go. So it's a really kind of a neat part of the story. And that and so he is he is on his way. He's going to go to the emperor and he's going to um, share uh, with the emperor what he's already shared with the Jewish leadership, with Festus and Agrippa. Um, he's going to share his story. And his story is going to be shaped as a dichotomy. Between, you know, this is what the world looks like, but I'm going to show you what God's world looks like. And he's going to incorporate his story. He's already shared his personal story three times. Every time he comes before one of these authorities, he talks about his road to Damascus, his transformation when he encounters Christ. He wants to go tell this story one last time. 
to the highest court in the land. And so that is why he is bent on going uh, to Rome. And so when he gets there, he's going to, uh, there as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, and he's going to be able to uh, share this story and, and set up the dichotomy between uh, the kingdoms of earth, where Caesar, where Nero is in charge, and the kingdom of heaven, where God is king of all. He's going to show and, and tell the story and demonstrate where uh, the kingdom of Caesar and, and how that fails human beings and the kingdom of God, which everything, um, everybody is lifted up. And ultimately show the dichotomy between the kingdom of death and the kingdom of life. And he's going to tell that by sharing his story. And so on this final night of sharing life, um, we have to uh, eventually come to the part and point when we are spreading the good news to others, to friends, family, co-workers, loved ones, neighbors, people on the train. Um, at, at some point in time, we want to, to get to that point where we're sharing uh, our story. Uh, and that's what Paul is doing here. In fact, if you do have one of the book, booklets we've talked about, and we've been talking to the children on Sundays about blessing your neighbors, uh, you know, and to share life means to bless your neighbors. And we say B is begin with prayer, use a, an acronym. L is listen to your neighbors. E is eat a meal together with them. S is serve them in times of, of need. And the last S of bless means story. Learn to share your story. And so Paul is going to share his story of conversion and how that uh, story is going to be uh, demonstrated in, in terms of, of what the kingdom of heaven uh, looks like compared uh, to Nero's kingdom. And ultimately, uh, that's what he's going to do. He's going to make it after a long and difficult journey and voyage over the seas and uh, it's interesting that as Acts closes out, we don't get an account of that of that trial. Uh, the book of Acts does not conclude with that. It's kind of cool. So I encourage you to read that for homework as you close out. And so as we're finishing up sharing life this time, lessons from the book of Acts, I want you to think about and continue to pray for folks in your life that need life shared with and so uh, and, and sometimes uh, you know, one of the reasons I picked this passage I love this when I grip when I grip us is are you trying to convince me that in such a short time you made me a Christian and Paul responded whether it's a short time or a long time I pray to God that not only you but also all those that are listening to me today when we're sharing life sometimes people are going to hear and respond to your story and your love that you're extending through the name of Christ in a very short time. Sometimes it's going to be a long time. Sometimes you're going to have to spend the rest of your life with them um, to be able to, to finally uh, have them respond uh, to the gospel themselves. And so whether it's a short time or a long time, it's a job that all of us have to do uh, and that is sharing the love and grace of God. We've accepted it for ourselves. We know the impact it's made on our lives, and we are charged with giving it away. And, um, 
the last part of the series where I want to encourage you to do so. It is not easy to find the right words, to find the right things to do. It's not always easy. Sometimes it is. To be prayerful, start with prayer, bless people with prayer, and listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance. And you and I can do this. You don't have to memorize scripture. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to always do and say the right thing. Just love people. Sharing life is about loving people and caring about people. And if you do that, and if I do that, we can make a major impact on the people in our lives. So I encourage you and implore to you to do that. Have the conviction of Paul where you just have to go and tell that story, even if it's the last time you get to tell it. That's in Paul's case here. So let us pray. Gracious God, we're so thankful for the example Paul sets forth in his journey to Rome. He could have been a free man. He could have let the chains fall. He was free to go. But he appealed to Caesar, the highest court in the land, to go to the one uh, that had authority, earthly authority over all. And he had the courage to go to him and tell his story of conversion, to tell the story of the true king, Jesus the Christ. Even though it was the difference between life and death here on earth, Paul had the courage to do so. And we're thankful for his example. Lord, there are people in our lives that even as we are growing in our own faith, even as we're trying to figure out life, even as we don't know all the answers, even as we want to know ourselves more about the scriptures, there's people in our lives where we're the only link to you. And so give us the courage and the wisdom to say and to listen and to love people in our lives that never heard anything about Jesus before. Or maybe they have heard a little bit about the gospel, but, but we are the missing link, and you're sending us to them. You're helping us to interact and have a divine appointment. And let us have the courage, as Paul did, uh, to be able to say, here I am, Lord, use me in this person's life. One person at a time, one family at a time, one community at a time. And we all play such a significant role in that. Use all of us in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are now going to uh, share Holy Communion together, which will strengthen us and encourage us and fill us with the grace to be able to go out into the world. I'd like to go back here. And you can. Are you going to take the circle? John, why don't you uh, help people come around the table? Let's just all come. Yeah, we can just circle around. Either way. I think I'll just come and circle around. We can just stand for a moment. Or, and there's chairs up here too, Marty. But we'll do the brief, great Thanksgiving for that week. Yeah, we can come on the, around here too. family meal, which the original time Jesus did this with his disciples, it was a meal just like this. I think they lounged on the floor probably. Does everybody want to get down on the floor? But on that night when Jesus uh, 
abounds with his disciples as they were sharing a meal on an evening together and some final instructions, and really being prepared to be sent out into the world to proclaim the risen Christ. When Festus accuses Paul of being mad or, or crazy, insane, the previous statement that Paul had made was proclaiming that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so on that night when they shared this meal, Jesus was telling and teaching them and showing them the significance of his death, that he was going to rise again. And so we celebrate that and remember that and also receive that grace uh, when we come together for this meal. And so on that night, as all that was happening, uh, he took bread and he shared it with his disciples that were gathered, broke it, he gave thanks to God, and uh, they broke bread together. He said, each time you eat this bread, do so in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, he raised it, he gave thanks to God, he shared it with the disciples, even Judas, Judas was around the table who was about to betray him, and Jesus knew it. And he was still able to receive the cup of salvation. And so, no matter where we've come from this week, no matter what we've done or left undone, we're all welcome at the table of Jesus. And that's an incredible way to come to this table. And so, Jesus gave thanks, shared it with them, and said, this is the cup of the new covenant, the bloodshed for the forgiveness of sins. And so, we ask a special blessing on all of us that are gathered here, and we ask for forgiveness for our sins, both done and undone. As we come here to this table as forgiven people, that same Holy Spirit that convicts us, warns us, and helps us to turn our lives around, helps us to repent and stay strong, is the same Holy Spirit that brought us in these doors tonight. We ask that Holy Spirit to transform these gifts of bread and wine and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, in order that we can go out into the world, filled with courage, and grace, and love to share the gospel with others. Amen. So we will.
Gracious God, we thank you for this holy mystery where we are gathered to you, share this meal, where we are surrounded by the communion of all the saints that have gone before us. And we celebrate the way this meal nourishes and strengthens us to live your story, to be your ambassadors, and to go into the world and to share your good news. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ who has given himself to us. Thanks be to God. Can return to your seat for our closing song, and John will have the offering plate to be passed. Closing prayer for you.